coming live, it's a sports-based broadcast. Tuning in to the Points Made Podcast. Coming live, it's a sports-based podcast. Tuning in to the Points Made Podcast. Points Made Podcast. Points Made Podcast. Points Made Podcast. Where points are made. Yo, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Points Made Podcast. It's your host, Chris, and my co-host, Mir the Kid. What's up? What's up? What's going on? How you feeling, bro? Uh, I don't know how I'm feeling, so I'm going to reverse the question. How are you feeling? I'm doing really well, but I do want to apologize to all the listeners that listened last week. I recorded in my bathroom, and the audio was so <laughs> bad. So This week, we got it together. I'm back in the room, so just wanted to say that real quick. Um... But yeah, I'm doing good, man. I'm 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 great. You know, I'm not gonna lie. At first, you know, with with all the injuries going on in the league, you know, this postseason was gonna be questionable, like as far as level of oh. excitement. Uh, but okay. I'd have to say that this has been a great postseason, man. Like I think with the four teams that are remaining, and that only I think two of them have never had a championship brought to their city. I think that this will be this is good for the league and I'm really liking where things are going. What say you? Me say yes. <laughs> no, really though. Um it was it's it's a good thing. Ooh, it's a good thing for the league for sure. Um the fact that it's like yeah, you love to see the big markets in there, but this is a good opportunity for the NBA smaller markets to shine and showcase that they can also be competing and it's not also that but I mean, also that, plus the fact that you see that these smaller market fans have been waiting for this for a long time. If you just yeah. look at the Suns yeah. arena and, and the Bucks arena, and it's, it's, been, it's been live, really. The Hawks fans have been oh, waiting yeah. for this for some time. These fans were ready for this. And, I mean, the Clippers, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but I just, I, I don't know. <laughs> Clippers fans are like, eh. It's kind of hard. I really want to like. I want to post a poll. I know we don't have you know a lot of followers on our page, but I really want to post a poll or just ask like the generic public like, what made you a Clippers fan? You live in Los Angeles. What made you become a Clippers fan? When did you become a Clippers fan? And why did you become a Clippers fan? If 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 I had if I had to guess, I'd say a lot of Clippers fans, younger ones at least became Clippers fans during the stretch where the Lakers sucked, like, end of Kobe's career to, like, post, I mean, uh, pre-LeBron, while the the Clippers had Lob City. That's what I would assume because the Clippers were the better team in L.A. at that time. So people Mm -hmm. was probably like, I don't want to root for the Lakers. They suck. So that's what I would assume. But other than that, I don't see how you could think of another time to become a Clippers fan because before Kobe got hurt, the Lakers were always better than Clippers. They were in championship contention. And then now, once again, I mean, obviously the Clippers are a good team, but the Lakers were the team that brought home the title last year. So it's like, it just kind of feels like the Clippers always in the shadows. Yeah. So it absolutely. is weird to find Clippers fans. Let's get into it, man. We're going to start things off in the East. The Bucks survive a game seven in OT Thriller in Brooklyn and sent the Nets home. You know, it's uh, we didn't see this coming at all um obviously with Kyrie going down we knew that the Bucks had a better chance to you know evening out the series in which they did um but they were able to to seal the win in Brooklyn uh KD had a great night um played all 53 minutes had 48 9 and 6 
um, potentially had the game winner, but instead it was a game tying, sending it to overtime because of his toe, uh, which is really unfortunate because that definitely would have sent them home. But, um, you know, what was highlighted is that he airballed the game winner with 0.2 seconds left in overtime, which kind of sucks. But, I mean, regardless to say, I'm not taking anything away from the Bucks. The Bucks had a great night as well. But uh, what are your thoughts about that? Um, I I it's kind of hard for especially for me to go in on KD, um after how well he played, um especially yeah. that after Kyrie got hurt, he really seized control of of the series when Kyrie went down. I think that was in Game Four, and it was like, well, the Bucks, in my opinion, really should have won Game Five and Game Six because the way. James Harden was out there. You knew he wasn't close to 100. He was probably on running on 65, maybe 60 percent out there. And with there being no Kyrie, you would think they would get rid of the Nets pretty easily. But that just shows um, the greatness of Kevin Durant. And like before, I think this series is the most impressive series I've ever seen Kevin Durant like playing. Like the Warriors, yeah, they were dominant and all that, but it was like. He didn't need to do too much, you know, for them to be dominant. They were going to be dominant with him just playing a role of giving them 25, 25 and grabbing some boards here and there. Now, in this situation, the Nets needed him to do everything, and, and, and he did. He did everything for them, and even to the last last couple uh, seconds of Game 7, he was giving his all. I mean, if it wasn't for, you know, like he, like he said, his big feet, we could be talking about the Nets potentially playing the Hawks right now. So, I mean, he just he played a great series. I wouldn't I wouldn't go in on Kevin Durant. I think Kevin Durant is a top two talent in the world uh, right now. Currently, for me, he'd be probably my best player in the NBA right now. Obviously, I think Steph and Braun are right there. But after what I saw from him in these playoffs, it would be hard for me to at least not have him having a slight edge over those two. Um, so for me, at this moment, I can't really argue and say that he isn't. Um, I think you're right. I mean, I think he does have a slight edge. For me, it's just more remarkable that he was able to come back from that Achilles injury uh, two years later and still doing what Kevin Durant does and has been doing in this league. So for now, I'll give him the same same take okay. as you. Take that slight right. edge. Yeah, so, so real quick. Since um, we don't really have any NFL on the slate today, I want to give I want you to give me your confidence levels. Like after, how do you think the series went? Like as far as each game, like where you were at with because this game this series switched back and forth a couple times of who you thought was going to actually win it. Coming into it, you had the Nets. I know we both had the Nets. When do you think the the true turning point for the Bucks was in this series? Um, I definitely think the pendulum swung the other way, like game. <laughs> <laughs> the pendulum. Uh, That's probably, insane. I, I would say game four. I think I would. Game four. Too. Yeah, I would say game four. Um, I, I was confident in, in the Nets, but because what the Bucks won. Damn, it just feels like so long time. A long time. Ago. Yeah, I know. The, I would say game three is when they really like because. Well, no, because I I had them winning game three. I knew they would win at home. I knew they would win. But at home. game, remember how close game three was? Yeah, yeah. That was so low scoring. 
Yep. Um, I think I think Giannis and Chris Middleton combined for like oh, 79% that was the- of their points. Yes, and that's when they both had, I think, like, they had 36. They both had 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we and you talked, and we were like, we're never, we're not going to, because Kevin Durant had an inefficient night that night. It was low scoring. He had an inefficient, he was shooting inefficiently. And you and I were like, well, by his standards, inefficient is probably like 45%. Keep that in mind. Right. But also, we were like, how many nights are we going to see that side of Kevin Durant? So we were like, eh, it's cool. Like, the Bucks are going to get one at home. But it's the way that Chris Middleton, it's just the way that he turns it on when they're at home and I've, I've just like putting the stats side to side of how he is on the road and how he is at home. At it's home. just, oh, yeah. it's crazy. Definitely. It's night, it's, it's night different. and day. It's night and day. And, um, once they, once they tied up the series two two, I was like, okay. And I think Kyrie was already down at this point. Cause he got injured in Milwaukee. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. See now, no, no, no. Game four is when Kyrie went down. That's what I'm saying. He got injured in Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, once that happened and the Bucks were able to tie the series 2-2, I'm not going to lie, my confidence did fall from like an 8 to like a 5 quick. Because then I was like, what can, like, can KD deliver? He proved us wrong in game but, 5. But what was, what was your, your, so you said your confidence after Kyrie got hurt went from 8 to 5, right? Yeah. When you heard James Harden was going to play, did your confidence move up? Five, it did or? it did a little bit but also like play to what play to what level no what bef- can he do? Bef- yeah before he was before he actually went out there and played i figured he'd be like 80 percent. so i was like I, my confidence went up no. i think i i think we're in the same space as far as like you were like your confidence dropped from like an eight to a five i'd say mine did too and then once i heard james Harden was coming back it went from a five to a seven. So I was pretty much still pretty confident that Brooklyn would get the job done. And then after game five, I obviously knew you saw that James Harden wasn't as healthy as I thought he was going to be. Yeah, so. I mean, he contributed as much as he could. I think that night he only had like six yeah. points when he first came back. Five like points, six, I think. I think it was five. But he played like, what, 46 minutes? So... He was yeah, that's what I'm it. saying. He's contributing as much as he can, but like for me, like if if Kyrie never got hurt, I I don't see James Harden coming back into this series. I think they were gonna rest Harden um, until they were going to the conference final. To me, because with Kyrie there, I think they would have beat the Bucks. But um, I I don't think they had any intention on bringing Harden back. But even when Kyrie was in Game Four, when he was playing. The Bucks, I think, were still winning, right? Like Ooh, I, I think I, the, what are you talking about? No, I'm saying when um when Kyrie went down, I think the Bucks still had a slight lead. So the Bucks were battling that game. So I still could have seen the Bucks winning game four, to be honest with you. Um but if Kyrie was there, I do think I think um Brooklyn would have finished them off in six. Well yeah, so they win the game five, right? Brooklyn wins game five. Game six, um, it wasn't a blow away. No, game six, it, it was a blowout. Oh, it was? Yes. I mean, Milwaukee blew Brooklyn out, remember? Oh, that's because right. right yeah, 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 yeah. We recorded that day, right? And then when we were about to turn on the game, remember you turned on the game, it was like a five-point lead. But then when we turned on the game, it was like 17 points. They oh, got blown yeah, out. Remember, yeah, they yeah, the yeah. Bucks. I think the Bucks went on a 13-0 run. I think that's what happened. Okay. And, and then, yeah, when, when I turned it on, it was like KD Man. had just hit a shot to stop the bleeding. But it was over. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I still didn't see it happening. But, you know, Me they either. Survived. I still thought the Nets was going to win. I still thought the Nets was going to win, even after game six. I was like, yeah, no, they're winning at home. 
Yeah, like a, even, go, go ahead. Now nah, you what? Oh God. You gotta give you gotta give Giannis and the Bucks a lot of credit for going on the road and even with Brooklyn being injured, you have to give them credit because it's tough to win on the road one. And then when you got KD playing lights out, that just makes it it makes it even tougher. So it's like I I do think that the Bucks deserve a lot of respect. Um obviously you I know and you know if these teams both went into it fully healthy, this would have been different. But even with that being said, winning game sevens on the road is tough, and that's why not many people do them. And that's why yeah. Brooklyn, even though Brooklyn was hurt and people knew going into game seven, they were still favored because it's it's tough. It's definitely tough because when, when players know that it's, it's all or nothing, you're going to get the best effort play from each player every, every play. It, it's, it, it turned into a real battle out there, especially down the stretch. You saw it was harder to score. And, like, people were trying hard on defense. You can just tell that the intensity level of the game picks up, especially in Game 7s. Because, like I said, everybody's giving it their all. And there was a couple points in that Game 7 where I was like, oh, Brooklyn got him. Like, I don't know if you remember the play where Kevin Durant, uh, well, Chris Middleton stole it from Kevin Durant. And then Chris Middleton lost the ball. James Harden passes it back to Durant. Durant gets the A and one dunk on content. That was one of those plays where I was like, oh. That could swing the momentum, but the Bucks fought through that. And then there was that other play. I think it was like they the Bucks played great defense. It was like two seconds left on the shot clock, and James Harden hits a banker three from like the uh, wing. Another play where I was like, "Dang, that could kill your confidence." But the Bucks yeah. just kept fighting. They kept fighting. And each time the uh, Brooklyn hit them with something, they responded. And it, something has to be said for that, especially when people were saying, myself included. Can Giannis be a number one and is Chris Middleton included. a true number two? <laughs> no, because I did say that. I, I said I don't think yeah. Giannis could be a number one. But in game seven, he was a number one. 40-13-5. No, I five. agree. We we both said the same thing. Yeah, he did his job. And even though Middleton and Holiday weren't good for a majority of the game, down the stretch they showed up when it when it mattered most. So I it's nothing but yeah, credit. Absolutely. It's Giannis credit. Finishing. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I have forty and thirteen, Middleton twenty three and ten. I mean, I got to respect Giannis, but let, I don't know. I mean, now the expectation is, and like you said it too, you were like, the Bucks are, and I think like there's some a lot of betting odds. The Bucks are favored to win it all now. Now that they've survived the Nets, they're favored to win it all. So now there's more expectations put on them and more pressure on them. Like, all right, you have to go through the Hawks. And then whoever comes out of the West, right? Because at one point it was just like whoever can beat the Nets is going to beat, you know, win the finals. It's not that anymore. So do you think that pressure breaks pipes, man? So do you think that the Bucks can hold on to their own, get out the East, and actually make a run for this title? I do because I don't think there's a team better than the Bucks right now. And if even though, and I think I, I really do respect what Phoenix has done. I do. But I told you this off air. I just think I think Milwaukee matches up with them too well, um, personally. And then also with like I think the best true matchup for the Bucks right now would be a fully healthy healthy Clippers team. But they're not fully healthy, so that's another thing you got going for you. And then it's like the question, the burning question is: If Giannis and the Bucks don't get it done this year, then when are they going to get it done? Because yeah. this year, this year was literally it. It's put them in perfect position to win the title they've had a lot of fortunate breaks 
Like uh, the Sixers getting bounced, that was good for them. Uh, unfortunately, injuries happen. That also went in their favor because they haven't got they got uh, Dante Divincenzo injured, but that's not as big injury as what James Harden and Kyrie yeah. were dealing with. And so we that, knew that, that the he- the healthiest team is going to make it. The you know make it all. You got the, way. the Lakers on the other side getting injured. Um, the best record team gets eliminated, and then the, while they're doing that, the Clippers get hurt. So it's like it's just like the stars are aligning right now for the Bucks. So it's got to be this year. Um, I'd like to see the Suns win it personally because I want to see CP3 win. Yeah. But the Bucks winning it wouldn't bother me either. I mean, it's like mad to me at this it's point. It's about time. Like, it's at that point where it's like, eh, like it's it's about time. I mean, they've proven to be a great team. And we've talked about this multiple times in the regular season. You know, for the last three seasons, they've been that team to beat in the East. Obviously, this season was different, but they were still able to beat that team. Yeah, there were some injuries, you know, so there, you could put an asterisk next to it. But Giannis stepped up, Middleton stepped up, um, you know, and the role players stepped up. So, shout out to the Bucks. Let's see how far it goes. But we got another series we got to talk about. And, child, whew, this is going to be a lot to digest. The Atlanta Hawks. Pause. silenced the 76ers in Philly in game seven and won the series. <sighs> let's just, let's just, let's just address the elephant in the room. Ben Simmons, bruh. Like what, what are we doing with him? Like what? <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna let you take it. Cause at I this wish point, we could just, I wish we could just insert the clip of Shaq saying that Chinese team. You, I, I sent you that clip, right? The Shanghai Tigers or whatever it's called. <laughs> that yeah, shit yeah. is so funny. <laughs> that's, that's, I can't really, I don't really know what to say to Ben Simmons at this point. Like, I mean, it's just, it's really bad. Like, it's really. Like, niggas want to know what you do in the all season, bro. Like, what do you do? Like, you. Nig- a buddy, <laughs> excuse me. You I'm good, bro? Get, yeah, I'm about to get upset. I'm about to get upset. Yeah, but buddy real, has good. been able to do them hooks and dunks since day one in the league, bro. What else had you added to your game? He hasn't added nothing to his game. His defense has gotten better, but that's that's supposed to happen too. You don't really have to work. I wouldn't say you really have to work too much on defense. That happens from one, you see him more, and two, his size and athleticism allows him really to truly be a good defender. Like, yeah, but last season, I feel like they do this every off season. So last off season, like after the bubble, there was like uh, clips of Ben Simmons in the gym working out and putting up shots, and like Bleacher Report and all these other outlets are like posting clips going viral on Twitter, like, oh, he's putting up shots. Oh, like Ben Simmons is gonna be different this year. Da 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 da. But it kind of just already ends up to be the same thing now. There, there were times where we saw glimpses, okay, like when he dropped 40-something on the, on the Jazz. Like, that was something. And oh, then, that's another fraud we'll talk um, about. Hey, you know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, I know you want to get into that. Yeah, I know you're talking I about. Do. We'll get into that. But, oh, I um, I mean, for me, I just think that his confidence is shot. Offensively, like, he has no confidence in himself. I mean, and you can see it um, in that game seven where he had a wide-open look to – to take the dunk or to put the layup, but he decided to pass it to Thibault, who ended up being double teamed, and they turned the ball over. So no, like, no, 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 no. Thibault got fouled, but missed one of the free throws. 
And so it, and, and, oh, okay, and okay. did you see, did you see and B call Ben out on it? Well, he didn't say Ben's name directly, but we no, knew. I he saw was the video, about. the clip of him, like him watching it happen. He was at the top of the key and him watching it happen. No, then... basically in his presser, he was like, they were like, so they asked him, it was like, what do you think the turning point of the game was? And oh, he was oh, like, yeah, I yeah, think the turning point was when we had an open shot and. Instead of Guys taking it, it, no, he said instead of taking it, we passed um, to somebody who got fouled but missed one of the free throws. That's exactly what he said, and we all knew he was shading Ben Simmons. I mean, I mean, at this point, you have to because Ben is going to give you the same, and all this press was like he knew he was wrong, but at the same time, like it's like there's nothing he can do. So my thing is like offensively, he doesn't have it because of his confidence and when you don't have confidence you have you, nothing i'm telling i'm telling you bro like and i and i i know we talked about this before but like look at carson Wentz in philadelphia when he had no confidence in himself what happened in philadelphia last year and it's just ironic that they both these players playing but it is but a different situation because with carson's in football so much of like um your success is determined by what you're surrounded by like ben has no excuse ben is surrounded by a good team Carson, not so much. So you see what I'm saying? Yeah, but also, like, if you're that good of a quarterback in which the caliber that he is, you know, that people say that he is, my thing is, like, what do you mean? People say that he's a really good quarterback, mid mid to elite quarterback. True, but the only, the only, in the situation that Carson was in, I can only think of maybe three or four quarterbacks, maybe, max, that take that team to the playoffs. Or at least he didn't even, but him. he didn't even have to do that. Like even his numbers, even just watching it with just the eye test of how he's playing, his pocket presence, all that. Like you can't tell me that Carson Wentz confidence was not shot. It was, it was. But I'm saying like the reason why the situations are different is because if the Carson, players. if yeah, I must say if Carson Wentz was surrounded by a team equal to what the Sixers were, the Sixers were the number one seed in the East. So if he was yeah. surrounded by not, let's not even say the best roster in football, but let's say like a top five roster in football then his, we wouldn't have to worry about his confidence, right? Because his confidence got shot Why? It really started with that offensive line. And and that's where the confidence really started. When your coach doesn't instill that confidence in you and when, um, you know, the locker room is in shambles or whatever, like that's yeah. just not going to go That plays way. a part. That definitely plays a part in it. Yeah. But with Ben, the reason why Ben's situation is worse, like I said, is because this was their year. Like I said, just the way everything was laid down for the Bucks, it was laid down for the Sixers. You got the five seed. The four five seed was Knicks and Hawks, two inexperienced teams. You get to start oh, yeah. off with the Wizards, who had a um, limping Brad Bill come into it, right? And, and you knew that you should pretty much get the eight seed out of the way. That's what the one seed is supposed to do. They did that. Now you get to play a team that's inexperienced and young, and you can't even you can't even hold them off. So it's like. This team just needs to break it up. I mean, and I've been saying this for a couple they years. They lost after, the, to me, they pretty much lost the series after they blew that lead. I think that was in game, game five. In game five. In yeah, game five. In game five. When they, yeah. when they blew that lead, that's when I was like, they're psychologically done. Cooked. Damaged. And Ben yeah. Simmons took no shots in the fourth quarter, what, the last four games? He's, yeah. He's, he's a very irritating player to watch. Um, it just upsets me that um, you can be an all-star in the NBA without – shooting taking a jump shot like that should just not be a thing i'm sorry you have to even if it's just mid-range like i'm not even saying you gotta be shooting threes just shoot mids if you shoot mids that improves the sixers so much 
Because then people can't sit in the paint and just help off of you. And that's... And- I agree, but I don't want to spend this entire segment just like pooping on Ben Simmons. He deserves to be pooped on. on. I know, but I just feel like he's got enough of that. I'm also looking at Embiid. Every each and every one of these games in which it was close down the stretch in the fourth quarter, it, it seems that he always ends up collapsing in the fourth quarter when it matters most. Um, in this case, in Game Seven, turning the ball over, you're down four. You're bringing up the ball. I don't know why you're bringing up the ball. You're bringing the ball up the court. And I don't know what you try to do. And you turn the ball over. Four, you're only down four. And it's less than a minute in the game left. You need that bucket. But instead, it's a turnover. Like, And I don't want to go because I know we talked about it last week too. But there's been multiple games in which the Sixers kind of fall, fall apart in the fourth quarter. And now that we're talking about Ben Simmons and him possibly that, possibly for him being the last time he'll play as a Sixer, Embiid is going to be the franchise player, if not already. So, like, in order for him to be – a notable franchise player of the Philadelphia 76ers, you have to be able to close out games. You just have to. And in this series, it shows that he can't. I'd have to disagree strongly, truly. All right. I I give, to be honest with you, I give uh, Embiid no blame, truly. He gets nothing from me. No, I'm not blaming I'm not blaming him. And like, even when you say closing down the stretch, well, when you're playing majority of the time with, you're playing four on five offensively because, like we said, there's a guy out on the floor that won't shoot anything past three feet. So mm-hmm. you're already playing four on five. Tobias Harris is a good player, yes. But what Tobias Harris likes to do is not – he can shoot the three-pointer, but his game is mid-range. So he's already down in the mid-range area too. And Bede needs to be on the block, but with Ben Simmons already there, he gets pushed out. Seth Curry is the only real reliable shooter. Um um, out there, truly. And then with, with Danny Green out, who are they playing? Thibault and guys like that? Maxi, who Maxi's a nice young guy, but he's not experienced to play in those in those fourth quarter big moments either. So it's like, you're already, he. it's like the situation was not set up for him to succeed. Like, Embiid can also shoot the three, but no one, we don't really want to see him taking too many of those shots because they're normally not great looks. So you want him to be down on the block, but he can't do that because Ben Simmons can't shoot. And then even if you you can't take Ben Simmons out because that's supposed to be your second or third best player. So you have to leave him in the game because of what he can do on the defensive side, which just Mm -hmm. kills the offense. The Sixers, if you got the Sixers, a third guy, or in this case, a second guy, um, in a trade for Ben Simmons, I think Embiid would be, he'd be way better in closing moments because... I think I think when you get a score like that, like they need a score, someone that can give you twenty three, even if it was somebody like CJ McCollum or something like that, a guy like that who can get buckets down the stretch for you takes mm-hmm. less pressure off Embiid, and then when Embiid needs to go down there and dominate, he can do that because even if you're gonna say, well, the reason why Embiid um, doesn't dominate down the stretch is because of his stamina. Well, if you're not having to give him the ball every possession down, then that stamina problem goes away, or, or at least it's um, not as brightly paid attention to as it is right now so I, I i just don't think i can put too much credit on i mean too much blame on Embiid. And i know you say you don't want to poop on ben simmons but every time i do the the loop in my head that's who it comes back to he's yeah he's, i mean definitely he's, the he's definitely end. the primary reason why you know things unfolded the way they did but um, I do want to, you know, shout out Embiid. He did play on like a partially torn meniscus. You yeah, know, that too. Also playing through injury. So, um, 
I mean, listen, man. I don't know. I mean, it's it's time. It's time. Yeah, to for, get Ben Simmons out of out of Philly. I agree. It's time. So let's let's talk about some possible trade destinations. All right, you can go first. You can go first. All right. Okay. 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 Um, I'm looking at the Spurs, bruh. I'm looking at the Spurs. Wow. Um, you know, package something. You can trade Demar Derozan. Um. To the Sixers, maybe um, I'm blanking on dude's name, but he. No, has Demar's like, Demar's a free agent, so it'd have to be a sign and trade. So he'd have to sign with Philly, but okay. Um, dude, I'm blanking on his name. He like got injured one year and like missed a whole. Dejounte season. Murray. Dejounte Murray, you could trade him too. Package that and take Ben Simmons. And I think that's, it is, I'd say that's too much. But here's the thing: this is off of Popovich's request. Rumors quotes came out of him saying that he would trade anybody in his locker room to get Ben Simmons. And I think you want to go to a coach that can give you confidence and still confidence. One of the best coaches in this league. Granted, the Spurs are like a, you know, not really an exciting team, not really an exciting market. But I don't think Ben Simmons needs that right now. I think he should go go to get coached up by by pop, see what the Spurs can do. And I don't know. I'm just I'm looking at the Spurs right now. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. All right, well, I'm staying out west. Um, I think, I, west. I, and I just said it with CJ McCollum, I think Portland's a good spot for him. Yeah, and I, um, and I figured you were going to say that. Because someone who takes pressure off Dame ball handling, obviously mm-hmm. you would th- And Dame, because he shoots so well, uh, um, unlike Embiid, he doesn't really need to be down in the paint too much anyway. So Ben Simmons can stand down in the paint and not bother Dame. Um, so yeah. I, think, I think Portland would be a really good spot. You put... Um, you get some shooters around them. Um, I'd I'd like to see Ben Simmons go to a team with a shooting big and and what's the name? Portland doesn't have that right now. But if they could like if Portland could like package a trade to get someone like Kristaps Porzingis next to Ben Simmons and then you have Dame, I think that would be a formidable big three. And then you'd also allow um, Ben Simmons to play at his max potential if he was put around four guys who can shoot the ball really well or above average that way he can be the one that dominates the paint and then i think he may be able to average 20 points or something like that for you even though he i still don't think he'd be able to shoot i think he'd be able to go down to the paint and have free space but you'd also have to put the the mindset in him to be aggressive because he lacks that right now but if you give him that mindset that hey you can go down this area now with no one else in there and you can dominate the spacing is going to be there you just got to win your one-on-one matchup then i think i think that would be a good situation for him yeah, and I can definitely see why you picked Portland. Um, the one thing I will agree with you on him being in Portland, I think that would definitely help them defensively. I know they had one of the mm-hmm. worst uh, defensive years last year, so I definitely think it'll help in that aspect. Um, or here's but, an idea too, real quick: you could even put Ben Simmons at the five, kind of like how the Warriors created the small ball with Draymond at the five. You can yeah. do that with Ben Simmons and keep Rob Cove next to him. At the four, I think they got to re-sign um, Robert Cove and then re-sign Norman Powell, Dame, and I think CJ will be gone, obviously, because of the trade. And you, you feel in the shooter right there, someone is like a 3D guy. Is Nurkic under contract? I think he is, but that's what I'm saying. Bring Nurkic off the bench because Nurkic can't shoot the ball. So then you could put Ben Simmons at the five next to Rob Cove. They both play good defense. Obviously, you'd be a little undersized, but Ben Simmons second in defensive player of the year rankings and i think he could hold his own against a lot of fives and it but say he couldn't say he's struggling then you can bring in Nurk, nurkish to try to guard so it's like you have multiple options but i think 
you really for Ben Simmons to be his best, you really want to give him as much space as you can down the paint. So that's why I would say if you put him at the five, that would be good for him as well. Yes, small ball. Because then you can get out of run. He because your center now can lead the break. That's when he's in his, at his best in transition. So he can grab a rebound and just go. And then once the defense um, comes together on him, kick out dang three. Or kick out the Rob Cove who can shoot the three. Or Norman Powell who can shoot the three. So you got, that's like, I think that that would be a good situation if you also maybe look at changing his position. Because I don't think he's a point guard. Your point guard has to be able to shoot. And Dame's already the point guard there anyway. So instead of making him the point guard, side him down to the four or five. And play small ball, running gun type of style of basketball, and that may that might actually work for him too. Yeah, I mean, and another thing that I'm looking at as far as him going to Portland that I'm really like kind of unsure about, I I would have to wait and see how this coaching uh, position is going to fill out. Um, I I need to see who's going to be a coach there before I can say like, oh yeah, I think that would be a good destination for Ben Simmons because it, it's going to depend on the coaching for me. Yeah, truly. So, I mean, you got another spot or? Should I give another spot? I don't know. Uh, I have another spot off the top of my head. I do too, but it's I'm torn between two. Um, I think maybe we're thinking of the same one. But we talked about this. I'm going to say maybe Chicago. Maybe. Okay. Looking at Chicago. Um, another place that might be going through. An- I'm sorry, another franchise that might be going through a possible rebuild. Um, I think Chicago... Might be okay for him, but I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the package would probably be like, you know, like a Zach Levine um, and then another player, which I think that's a huge haul, but I don't know if Zach Levine even wants to stay in Chicago. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. I, don't think so. <laughs> I think he's done cracking the service. In oh, wow. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, I, maybe he can get somebody else to finish cracking the surface. But yeah, I don't knows? know. I think I think Ben Ben could work there. Him, you know, you could have Kobe White as that as that scorer. Um, obviously, would have to need a couple more pieces. They got Vucevic in free agency last year. Uh, you still Busa. got Markin. Busa. You still got um, Markinen, who is a restricted free agent. So hopefully, nobody you know takes him away from Chicago. But you could still use him. Um, and I think that I mean they just keep building. I mean for me, places like OKC, Chicago, Orlando, those are like trade dumps for me. Like where players just get dumped off there, um, <laughs> with all due respect. But oh, there's I mean that, that that's really about what you said. But that's how but that's how it plays off. That's how it plays off. I mean you could look at the Kemba situation going to OKC. I mean yeah. it's OKC has been a dump off place for a minute, and um. I don't know. I mean, I think I think maybe Ben should go to Chicago, but then again, I'm like kind of uneasy. But I, that's a possible destination if for more for more so not to benefit Ben Simmons, but to benefit the Sixers with acquiring a Zach Levine. Give me your last spot. Well, I think my last spot is what you were torn between. Was your last spot the Warriors? No, I was going to say Oklahoma actually. Oh well, I'm saying the Warriors. Same situation. Um, I would trade Draymond. Um, obviously, Draymond is the heart and soul. So I, I think this this trade probably favors Philadelphia a little bit more than. But you're getting a younger defender who's. That's what I'm saying. But you're getting like a younger version. Yeah, you're getting a younger version of Draymond. Truly. Yeah, and um, he won't be asked to do much. So that's. 
That's good. You could once again put him in the paint. Just let him set the screen and rolls for Steph and Clay. Obviously, I do think if you would do, to do something like this. Ben Simmons would have to try to develop some type of jump shot because you can't have people trying to double team Steph and Clay because you can't shoot. So I once again I'd say he'd have to develop at least a, a decent mid range shot. You don't even got to be a knockdown mid shooter, but just shoot it enough to where people are like, okay, he's a threat from back there or eighteen or nineteen twenty feet. That way you can just do pick and pops and get open mid range shots at the free throw line or the elbow, um, things of that this- nature. Is this what um, would Andrew Wiggins still be playing there? Uh, yes, because for Ben Simmons' uh, market right now is so low that I don't think you'd have to trade Andrew Wiggins. A bunch and, of pieces. Okay. Yes, actually, in this situation, if I was Golden State, no, he wouldn't be there because now that we know that Golden State has picked seven and fourteen, I'd package both of those with Andrew Wiggins and get somebody better than Andrew Wiggins. That's what I would do. But I don't so I don't know if Andrew Wiggins would be there. Yeah, but this but draft think, class is deep. It is deep. Yeah. It's very deep. And that's why their picks hold more value. The Warriors are not trying to get somebody young. They're trying to get somebody who helps them win now because Steph's like I think Steph's thirty three, Clay's thirty one. Like they're getting older now. So you now you're going into that move where it's like, we gotta win now. We don't know how many great years we got left for these guys. Especially with Clay coming off a couple injuries. You don't wanna ask him they to do want so much. enough. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> they I'm haven't all, won I'm, enough. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> all for the Warriors trying to go again. I'd prefer the Warriors win than the team, whatever team is gonna win right now. To be honest with you, I enjoy watching Steph Curry a lot. I will say that. Like, I think that's what it is. I think it's just your infatuation with watching Steph Curry. This year, like, I was really like, I watched a lot more Warriors games than than I thought I would. I watched a lot of Warriors games, even up on the Volo Kit RIP. Like, oh man, <laughs> please come back was, before football season. <laughs> it was good times, man. I really enjoy. Like, he's just so fun to watch the way he can just blow a game up in a in a two or three minute um span is just insane to me so i would i wouldn't mind watching them win another championship obviously you know i'm rooting for my, my guys in miami but if they can't then it's main eyes on braun and stuff i'd rather see one of them than anybody else so you know that's it is what it is but i think like i said ben simmons that's the spot you see my spots are similar dame you got a deep shooter and dame deep shooter and stuff he just needs shooting around him wherever he goes put shooters around him because if not, you're going to get the same thing you're getting right now in Philadelphia. Ten points. Yeah. But he did you see his pressure when they was like, how many points? He was like, they asked him how many points or something like that. And he was like, but I had 13 assists. And how what did Trey Young shoot from the field? Like, it's just like. Eh. I get where you're play- from, but read I the don't. room, kid. Read the room. I'm going to say because in the playoffs, it always comes down to buckets. Yeah, down the stretch. Oh, speaking of buckets, CP3 is cleared to come back for game three. Speaking of buckets, what a segue, ladies and gentlemen. What a segue. <laughs> wow. The ultimate respect for CP3 because that is a transition right there. I did see that, go. yeah. And while but we, I expected while that. the Suns are up 2-0. and oh, so, But we'll get into that in a second. I don't want to disrespect. We talked about the Sixers so much, but we got to talk about the, the team that silenced the Sixers. Kevin Herter and the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> they, man, never going to give you up. But, <laughs> man, listen, the Hawks are serious, bro. And I know we said this when they when they mollywopped the Knicks in five. And I know <laughs> that. Like, Shout we, out, Dave, man. Shout <laughs> out, Dave. <laughs> and I know we said this when they kept it close with Philly this long. Bro, 
I think, I mean, we have to respect them. And I, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves. Every series that the Hawks has played in in this postseason, we have picked against them. And I am here to say that I am picking the Hawks to beat the Bucks. in. Ooh. Was it five or six? I think I had them in six. You said six. I hope you didn't say five. That's that's no six wild. six. No no no. Well, game one is tonight. I gotta see how how I gotta see how it bodes. But um, you know, obviously the first two games are in Milwaukee. They get home court advantage. But um, yeah. But real quick, like how far can they really go? Like like we've been sleeping on them for two series straight now. Here we are in the in the Eastern Conference Finals where we didn't think that they would even make it out of the first round. How far can this team really go, bro? After watching them closely in two series that. The first one didn't wasn't really a long one, but the second one obviously went seven games. What are we looking at here? How far can this I, team really go? I just go? also want to point out that both one seeds have are been out. eliminated. <laughs> um, I think it's the first time in like I saw some crazy stat. It was like the first time since. Whew, I can't remember. I gotta look. Up I might say, but if you really look at it over the past playoff seasons, how many one seeds have won the championship? Because I know the I know the what's name did it, the Lakers. But other than that, it's been a lot of other seeds. Like That's the it's like it almost starting to feel like the one seed like is a good goal, but it feels like the best team normally what's the names. Like they don't go as hard in the regular season. They always focus more on playoff. And sometimes you end up getting the one seed and you're focused on playoffs because you're just that good. Like a team like for example the Warriors. Yeah. But. Like, it feels like a lot of other seeds are winning championships. Like, maybe even if it's just the two or the three a lot of the time. But it just it really feels like that. I don't know. It's weird. But, no, back to what you were saying. I was just saying how hard it is to win a game seven on the road. But at least the Bucks, when they do it, the Bucks are more experienced. The way the Hawks were able to do it, this young team, with really the only playoff experience I can think of off the top of my head is um, Lou Will and Clint Capella. Um for yeah. them to go, for them to go into Philly in that hostile environment, because Philly fans are garbage, but to go into that hostile environment in and get the sports. job done, yeah, in no, they deserve, sports. they don't yeah. deserve to win anything. I don't care what anybody says, they don't deserve to win. To do that in in Philadelphia, you gotta tip your cap. Like that's 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 veteran type team stuff right there, and they did that as a young team. This Hawks team is gonna be around for years to come. Not even to mention the fact that. DeAndre Hunter is not playing. Or is, yeah, no, he's not playing. Yeah, he's been Hunter, hurt. Yeah, he's hurt. He's, he's out been hurt. Series. Yeah. Cam Reddish has been hurt. Like, they have missing pieces, and they're young still pieces, getting the jump. Yeah. They're young, young pieces that'll be around for a while that aren't even here right now. This Hawks team is going to be dangerous for a long dangerous. time, and this, this just helps them with experience. Although I am picking the Bucks to beat them in six games, I still think that this is a good a good learning uh lesson for them this whole playoffs you had to go into new york and you, this was new york's first time making the playoffs in how long who knows Child, i think i think eight years i think eight years yeah. and you know their fans were ready but you went in there and you shut that down philadelphia Period. this was they thought this was their year and with the Number nets getting seed. eliminated when the nets getting eliminated the night before you know philly fans were looking like oh yeah this is our year they shut that down too so it's like this hawks team Ain't it's you're right. They ain't no joke. They did everything they needed to do in Game Seven, even with an off night from Trey Young. Even though he was shooting bad the first three quarters down the stretch, he hit that dagger three. He didn't lose confidence of himself. 
Kevin Herter. You got role players like him stepping up. Gallinari hitting big threes, getting big steals. The team is bought in to everything. And I want to give a shout out to a black coach, Nate McMillan. Thank you. Um, I was wait. I was waiting for you to say that. Nate McMillan revenge season, bro. Because listen, the Pacers did not deserve him. Okay. And the way he I'm, stepped in. The way I'm, he stepped in. Bro, he just slid in that thing, and that's why I am. That's the one thing I'm looking at, and and it's just so crazy to me that we're looking at. We got three black head coaches in the conference three finals black, right now. Yes. I think it's just it's beautiful. And it's and beautiful the one the one white the guy is changing. It's he's about on the hot time. seat. So yes, it's, he's on it's, the hot, it's, exactly he's on the hot seat. It's great. It's great. I I really do want to give a big shout out to the Hawks because they they've defied a lot of odds this postseason. No one had them making it. Atlanta this turned point. up. People, I mean, for me, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I had them losing back-to-back rounds. I didn't think they was going to beat the Knicks, and then I didn't think yeah, they was going to beat the Sixers. If they beat the Bucks, this may be one of the best runs I've ever and seen. And that's why I'm like, I'm like, all right, fool me once, fool me twice. I won't get fooled again, child. I had to pick the I had to pick the Hawks beating the Bucks because I went against them twice. I'm not going to do it again. But also, like, if I'm an Atlanta fan right now, I am so, like, bittersweet, and I'll tell you why. You're bitter because you just lost one of the most generational play, the, one of the best generational talents from the Atlanta Falcons. You lost Julio Jones, but at the same time, the Atlanta Hawks are going deep into the playoffs, have reached the Eastern Conference Finals, and you weren't even expecting that. So, I mean, it, you're feeling bittersweet right now. Would you agree if you were an Atlanta fan? Um, No, because I think Atlanta fans are smart enough to not root for the Falcons after the 28-3 thing. Oh, God. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say that a lot of these Atlanta Hawks fans aren't Atlanta Falcons fans. I'm just going to hope for that. I, so if I'm a fan of the Hawks, I'm ecstatic, and I don't even care. I mean, Julio was great for the, for the Falcons for a long time, but you could see that this rebuild was coming for a while. The Hawk, I mean, the Falcons probably won't be a contending team for, for at least uh, the next half decade. Um, Damn. That, that's only five years. I know. Maybe because you got to think they're going to need a new quarterback after Matt Ryan, which that'll probably be. I'm going to say when you say contender, do you mean like how deep are we talking? Like to the Super Bowl contender, playoff contender? I'm talking about like, um, yeah, like I when I say contender, I mean Super Bowl contender. Oh, like 2016. Like 2016. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So it'll be a while, but you see that's something. Now you see, Atlanta, the Falcons and the Hawks are headed two different ways. But at least you can be proud that the Hawks are headed up and they're young. And you got a guy like Trey Young who he has the swag to be the the face of a franchise. So The real the real villain of the NBA. We love to see it. Yeah, Keep going, crazy. Trey. Keep going. I got y'all winning in six. Make me proud. <laughs> Shout Let's out to the Hawks, man. Western Conference Finals. The Clippers and the Suns. The Clippers are currently down 0-2. But don't wait, worry. Wait. Wait, did we talk about the Clippers beating the Jazz? Yeah, last week. That got set up last week. They had beat them already? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Look it up. In the meantime. Yeah. We'll talk about the series that's going on right now, because uh, game three nah, is about nah, to they, start, bro. No, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't talk about that. The Clippers oh, won didn't? the day after we recorded. That's when oh, they wow. won their series. Oh wow! All right. Well, breaking news: the Clippers beat the Jazz in a game six. <laughs> that was the only prediction that I got right last uh, throughout the semis. Or yeah, throughout the semis. So, um. Go ahead and expose Rudy Gobert, bro. Because I know you Rudy Gobert stinks. That is not the defensive player of the year. I don't want to hear it. And I know Nick is on Ben Eat Simmons' up, neck right now. They're on Ben Simmons' neck. 
But I'd take Ben Simmons' defense over Rudy Gobert's defense any day of the week. People are going to say, this is a common argument I've been seeing is that, like, the Jazz defenders were getting blown by a lot, so Rudy Gobert had to help in. But my thing is, even when they weren't getting blown by, that kick out to Rudy Gobert's man was always there. Nicholas Batum getting open threes and and Terrence Mann getting open threes. And this is even oh, when Terrence when, Mann. <laughs> even when they Terrence didn't get blown Mann. by. Yeah, no, that was it's it's insane cuz anything outside of the circle for him he cannot do. Even if I got you if I got you four four people on the Jazz defense who were great defensively, never got blown by. Rudy Gobert's man would take him off the dribble so often it'd be it'd be insane. I promise. He's a one. You. He's a one trick pony. I think it's he fair is. To say. He yeah. He I can mean, only guard bigs that cannot shoot and play down and um and protect on the, the low block. Yeah, that's all he does. And offensively, this this buddy is weak. He doesn't have no post moves. He can't shoot. He is overrated, and the Jazz are not going to win anything if he's making 200 mil on their payroll. So I'm sorry, Dwayne Wade is my guy, but he invested in the wrong franchise. Them them boys ain't going nowhere. <laughs> them boys ain't going nowhere soon. I feel bad for Donovan Mitchell because he played. <laughs> yeah. Dude, she, she wanted to use that so bad. Donovan Mitchell was great this whole postseason. And it sucks that this is what I feel like he's going to be dealing with for a, a little while. Because no, once again, this is another situation. Nobody's going to Utah. Sorry, nobody wants to go to Salt Lake City. So his number two for a long the time is going to be, it's gonna be Rudy outs. Gobert. Like, that's what you're going to be dealing with. Rudy Gobert, that's your second best player. You need, you just need better than that. And Clarkson is nice, but like in the playoffs, you need two twenty-two plus per game scores to win. Look at the look at the previous winners: LeBron, AD, Kawhi, and and uh, Pascal slash Kyle Lowry. Either one of them would step up and give you twenty plus. The year before that, uh, Stephen KD, Stephen Clay, Bron and Kyrie. You need two guys that can go get you a bucket at. A top fifteen rate in the and league. And let me tell you something about Rudy Gobert. You're not that guy. <laughs> You're not that guy. Pal. You're not that guy. You're not that guy. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's not that guy. And Clarkson is nice, but he's also not that guy. Like you need better than that, and you're not going to get it unless you draft. But they're not going to be able to draft because their team is too good. So they're never going to get a top pick. So it's like they're the Jazz are in a really bad spot right now. Like they're mm, in a really mm. bad spot unless they make a trade for a person. That's the only way. Trade for uh, maybe if they could get a trade for a disgruntled star. Maybe if Zach Levine gets annoyed, or maybe if Bradley Bill. Like, hey. but it's it's hey. I no. But hey. at the same time, I just don't see why any of those people would want to go to Utah anyway. They That's it's not like saying. they'd be like even if they made a trade destination list, Utah's not gonna be on it. So it's like I, I just out. don't. I just <laughs> she's <laughs> yeah. So it's just like I don't I don't think. There's a real. Yeah, there's man, just no absolutely. way. I definitely think Ben Simmons got snubbed. Like when the Defensive Player of the Year was announced, I texted you first and I was like, I thought this was Ben Simmons' award. What is going on? Um, yeah, I don't think, dude. I put Bam out of bio. 
Oh, what Kendrick Perkins? Was it Kendrick Perkins who said that? Yeah. <laughs> Bam out of the bio. It's just out of bio. bio. It's just yeah, bio. so I put Bam out of bio over. I would Gobert. too, because he can guard fives and he can guard smalls. And he can play offense really well, so. I don't even blame him. Head scratcher. <laughs> yeah, he's he's garbage. I'm sorry. Watching him frustrates Chill, me man. almost. I wouldn't say Bam is garbage. No, but... what? I was talking. I was talking about Rudy Gobert. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about Bam's office. I know you questioned it. No, no, it's not garbage. Either. He just he just needs to expand his game to shoot, a, uh, be able to shoot the three ball at least thirty three percent or thirty four percent to where people have to guard you. But no, Rudy Gobert, no, he's garbage. And uh, yeah, that's the right word for it. Um, he watching him frustrates me almost as watching uh, as much as watching Ben Simmons because at least we know Rudy Gobert what he is. Ben Simmons had the potential to be so much more. I don't Rudy, like to use the term overrated, but Rudy Gobert is overrated. There's no way he's a three-time defensive player of the yeah, year. Yeah, that's just, just insane, dude. That's ridiculous. Like, even that's Kawhi, ridiculous. who at the peak of his defensive powers was obviously a better defender than Rudy Gobert. Sometimes I wish. I just wish sometimes like the NBA awards were based on the postseason as well because that's when you really see these players, bro. Really, honestly, yeah. So like, I really think that maybe Adam Silver, Adam, I'm talking to you. Um, Directly. I really, Ooh. I really think that he should, they should reconsider these awards and have it with postseason and the regular season. I don't care. I said what I said, and you announce it at the end of the finals, right before the draft. Period. That's it. Ooh, dropped it off with a period. I'm just saying. All right, now. That. The Clippers, Molly whopped the Jazz. We talked about that. Now, right now, they're down 0-2 again. This is the third time in a row that they're down 0-2. But I'm not. I'm not worried. I'm not. But at the same time, I'm low key. I kind of am because I've been. I've been banking on this Suns team since round one, and um, I really think that the Suns will get them out of here in five. Uh, CP3 is coming back in game three. We have no word on Kawhi. Um, but the one thing that I will say is that both games were very close and went straight down to the wire. Um, the both, Clippers should have won last night. They should have won last night. Yes, they night. did. Paul George missed both free throws, which would have had them winning the game. Um, and then it was just a crazy win. I mean, with the the lob to Aiton, um, I it's just so crazy to me that like they had Devin Booker, who has a broken nose, set a pick to on a seven foot center mm-hmm. and is able to hold him for Aiden to go around the pick and to grab the oop and you know we know the rest it's just so crazy to me bro it's mm-hmm. so wild to me this Suns team is so talented I love watching this team um and with CP3 back and still no news on Kawhi that's why I'm just holding firm on Suns in five not in four but in five but if they go four <clears throat> yeah that would be insane if they go four Kawhi will not be there next year if the well get swept there, are, Woj came out with a report earlier today that Ooh. the Clippers are not confident that Kawhi Leonard will return from his injury against the Suns. So, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, they're done. So I don't, I mean, I, and I, I figured that coming in, I don't think I never thought he was going to play. As soon as they said it was um, an Achilles injury, I was like, oh yeah, he's done for the playoffs. Because if you, they, you're never going to put somebody in that situation unless you're the Warriors getting Kevin Durant back. But in, in that type of situation, if there's an Achilles injury, you're never going to let a player go out there and risk it because that minor Achilles injury is one plant, one crossover, one jump away from being a torn Achilles or a ruptured Achilles, and you're just not going to do that. So it's like I, I never thought he was coming back. They're going to let him rest that through the offseason. And I think, I think what the Clippers are hoping is that 
because of what Kawhi saw them do without him, one and two, the fact that they put his health before um, their own championship uh, aspirations, I think that, I think they're banking on the fact that that'll be enough to get Kawhi back in L.A. Plus, he just likes being there. So I'm thinking all that combined will be enough. Um, so I don't think I think that I think the Clippers are in a spot where they're like, look what we did. Like we've done good for ourselves. We made it to our first conference finals in history. Came back from two o two deficits, and if we had our our uh, best player, we would probably be in the finals and maybe win it all. So it's like. I don't think they'll be too upset with their run, but I do think it's over. Suns, Suns and five, Suns and four, Suns and six, whatever. It's the Suns are winning this series, and with CP3 coming it's the back, Suns. yeah, it's the it's the Suns at this point. The Suns are just winning, um, and that's what it is. Just but shine I do th- on Suns. Shine I do. Su- on. It, it does suck that the Clippers didn't get to face them at full health, um, but you know that's what that's what the NBA playoffs has been this year. So it's like, hey man, it's it Wednesday. It Things can change tomorrow. Maybe news comes out that says Kawhi will be back by Game Five if the Clippers are still in it at that point. No, there's, he's know. not coming. He's not coming back. Yeah, the, you don't want to mess with the ACL, groin, they, hamstring, you know, stuff like that. Even groin, even groin, you really don't want to mess with too much. As you saw, when AD went out there. He gave you five good minutes of not even sprinting, jogging, and he was done. One jump, and he was done. You can't, you can't play with a groin. You can play on a hamstring. Even that's a little risky, but you can play on a hamstring. You can't play on a groin, and you can't play on an Achilles. They just, yeah, oh just yeah, definitely not Achilles. That. No, absolutely, you cannot not. do, you cannot do those. But yeah, but or shout out to these sons. Shout out to these yeah. sons, DeAndre Ayton. The they calling it the Valley Oop. Shout out to him. <laughs> the Valley Oop. Wow. <laughs> twenty four and fourteen wow. last night. Campaign stepped up in a huge way with twenty nine points on efficient shooting. Booker wasn't so hot last night, but um, he came yeah, up. Man. He came up huge down the stretch. Yeah, definitely did. What I and like I told you yesterday, probably top five mid range shooter in the game right now. I want. Um, I want to. Hold on. I really want to give a shout out to uh, Paul George real quick. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know he Do missed it. those two free throws last night. He did. And yeah, I know that sucks because that was kind of the reason they lost. But just the the thing he had coming into these playoffs, the playoff, the pandemic piece, excuse me, it's been put to rest. And it's like when people, when Paul George plays really well, it's a lot quieter than what it is when he does something bad or play bad. Yeah, it just feels like people really well. are waiting. Yeah, it feels like people are waiting to jump on him the moment he does something bad. He stepped up in a big way this year. Um, for this especially Clippers team, especially after Kawhi went yeah, down, yeah, especially post Kawhi, the way he closed out the number one seed, I just feel like he hasn't been getting a lot of respect. Um, but then the moment he missed two free throws, fans are back to calling him pandemic P and things like that. It just it seems kind of unfair. But I wanted to shout out what he's done, the way he stepped up and became a leader and be, became this team's number one option with Kawhi going down. It's just it shows the type of player that he is. And um, even though he, you know. Like I said, didn't have the best game last night. I did want to give him a shout-out just because of how he's played throughout the postseason. Yeah, his postseason numbers are, are, are like that, and we touched base on it, I think, a couple episodes ago. So, no, shout-out Paul George. But let's move on now. We talked about it earlier, you know, a couple of these teams, maybe more to come. There's a lot of vacancies as far as coaching. So, in this next segment, we're going to talk about if these are some attractive locations or if these are some ugly locations if you are a coach wanting to be hired. You want to go so, back and forth? You give me one, I give you one? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Or I figured um, I'll take one, you take one, instead of giving you one. You want to okay. do that? 
All right, so I'm going to start off with New Orleans. I think that's a hideous place uh, so far to go to. I feel like the front office and the organization itself, there's some type of something is cooking up and not in a good way. You got an unhappy franchise player who you just drafted a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trade dump-offs that are there are not satisfied playing there. It's been a coaching carousel for the last couple of seasons. Um and yeah, like I said, the front office. I don't know. I mean, if I'm if I'm New Orleans, and I'm going there. I mean, for me, I'm comparing this New Orleans situation. I know they're at, they're not the same caliber of these players that I'm about to compare, but I'm comparing this New Orleans situation to the, the Rockets coaching vacancy situation from la- from earlier this season, um, when you have a disgruntled franchise player like James Harden was disgruntled and wanted to get out of Houston, but you got to take this job. And I think in the same in the same face, you're looking at New Orleans and like, okay. I have a disgruntled franchise player because obviously by taking Zion number one, they're going to build this team around him. But obviously him, his family, his management, they're not happy. So why even bother? I don't know. That's that's what I'm looking at. Unless this coach can come in, implement, change, change the culture and, you know, get some players to come to New Orleans. But at this point, I just I have no idea. I mean, there are rumors saying that New Orleans may not have a basketball team anymore. Yeah, they'll be in Seattle soon enough. But I will agree with you. Um, and there was some rumors. Let me add this in there. Um, that Brandon Ingram was unsure about his fit um, next to Zion. Anyway, so it's just not a lot of good going on. I don't think Lonzo resigns there. I don't think he wants to be there. Like, yeah, New Orleans just needs to leave. Um, New Orleans. I'm sorry, but Seattle. I think Seattle would just be a better spot um, for them. The fans there want a team anyway. And, you know, it just it feels like it, it needs to happen. But going to mine, I did like your analogy as or your comparison to the Houston Rockets situation. But I think the Blazers are a better comparison. And that is my next uh, – well, the team I'm talking about, I think that's a hideous spot. Um, okay. I don't think it's – I don't it's think ugly. that's a good spot. Yes, because um, I, think, I think this is the same exact situation. Coming off another playoff loss, just like the Rockets were – um, Dame has already been saying some cryptic stuff. He hasn't gotten, he hasn't, you know, come out and said nothing too bad. But they're little, just little cryptic messages here and there. Um, the coach you wanted, the coach Dame wanted, his first priority took his name out of consideration for the job. It's just, I think, I think this is the same exact situation as Houston. As far as Dame, if Dame has, or if the Blazers have a f- bad first couple of weeks or something, I feel like that could be enough for Dame just to be like I don't want to be here anymore I think he's really close he's really close to asking out and if you're a coach you don't want to you don't want to coach a team without Dame not a Portland team without Dame because if you move Dame then guess what chances are you're moving CJ right behind him you're not going to just keep CJ because he can't lead a team yeah he can't lead a team you're going to start stocking up on picks and just like that you've become a rebuilding team um and that's just not something coaches want to look forward to because I mean just being the coach of a losing team it sucks and not only that, Portland is a team where it's like no free agents are really coming there. So it's like you're the only way you're going to get out of that rebuild situation is if you bank on some draft picks. That's the only way because no one's coming there. No one's come No one's come there now with uh, Damian Lillard um, here. So if he's Damian not here. Damian Lillard. Yeah, if, if he's not here, <laughs> you have literally no chance. No chance. It's just. It sucks. I think that job sucks, and I think whichever coach takes that is going to be playing with 
bums in the matter of first couple months. And that's fine. I think they'll be able to um, – maybe they'll keep Dame, just depending on the coach that they hire. And I know that he has a hand in who they're going to select. So maybe this might go his way, and maybe we're wrong. Maybe Dame stays. I don't know. Still up in the air. Um, I'm going to switch things over, and I'm going to go to a team that I'm looking at as attractive, taking all the bias out of it, but I'm looking at the Washington Wizards. That is looking like an attractive spot. Um couple of reasons why they have a solid group of players um you got two superstars and in which if, if nothing proved to prove to you last year not you but you as the, um as whatever coaching candidate if nothing proved to them looking at this team down the stretch in april um and going into the playoffs with no absolutely no playoff chances and them able to get in um i think that's remarkable i've said it multiple times you got bill you got westbrook you got a young uh, young star in Rui Hachimura. You've got Daniel Gafford, who's going to stay there because who we got in the trade acquisition. Um, possible trades that could happen in the offseason that I think that will help them. And you could make a splash in free agency. With Bill being a player, a part of Team USA, I think that he'll use that time to try to try to recruit players and, you know, to D.C. I don't know. I'm looking at D.C., though. I think that's a pretty attractive spot. I think Washington is like the most – I think that's probably the most mid of the jobs out there. I wouldn't call it unattractive, but I don't know if i call it attractive. Like, I feel like Washington's a team where it's like, yeah, they may be one piece away from being the seventh or the sixth seed, but I just don't know it come playoff time if they're ever if they're ever going to be able to get over the hump. And, and and you know why I'm saying this. You know who that's, a, that's credited to. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could – I can only go off the track record, and the track record tells me if if I'm taking bias aside because I really have no feeling towards Washington. But if you take all the bias aside out of it, if you look at Russell Westbrook, that's the player I'm talking about. His postseason history is just not very good. And then if you look at that, it's just like you know where coaches get judged the most harsh come playoff time, and that's what y'all did with Scott Brooks. When Scott Brooks, his, he was fighting for his life in that playoff, and obviously he ended up getting fired. But just think about it. For example. Um, Mike Budenholzer, who you would say, look, oh, I've been the one seed and I did all this, but you keep losing playoffs. Fans want him gone after every year. And I just don't know how appealing that is going to be to a coach just making the playoffs, if that makes sense. Um, but I, I don't think it's an unattractive spot. Like you say, you do have stars over there, um, Bill and Russ. And then you got young guys like Roy and Denny. And then you have um, Gaffer, who was good for them down the stretch. So, it's definitely it's I think it's higher than the ones we mentioned for sh- uh earlier for sure no question. Uh, but I think the most appealing job out there is probably the Dallas Mavericks. Um Oh, definitely. Because you have you have a player who's going to be a guaranteed top 5 player for the next probably 12 13 years. Um you have trade asset, you can definitely move on from Kristaps if you, if he's not in your new game plan, you can move on from him. Um you have good defend, uh, good defensive pieces like Dorian Finney-Smith and Josh Richardson, um, guys who have been in the playoffs before. Like you have guys who have seen, I don't want to say every type of basketball because they haven't seen the finals and those, but they've seen big moments in basketball. Um, and like I said, you have Luca, who's an appealing player to play with. Um, so some, I think stars are likely to actually look at Dallas and be like, "Hey, I get to go play with Luca." And that can be something that can draw free agents in. Um, plus, you know, even if you get, even if you were same signed there this year, I think Dallas is a guaranteed playoff team. So it's like, 
you're going to be a, a top five seed-ish or top six seed-ish anyway in, in the West. And and fans can only expect but so much because that's what they've been getting from Carlisle, who I thought was a pretty good coach. So it's like, even if you come in there and you just do what Carla did, that'll buy you some time until hopefully somebody says, hey, I want to go to Dallas. You get another superstar, and if you if you put another superstar next to Luka, you'll be in the championship contention every year. As you saw this year, he, he took Kawhi and the Clippers seven games pretty much by himself. So if you get him another star you have a really good shot at winning a championship within the next five years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree with you. I think Dallas is probably the top attractive spot right now um, as far as coaching vacancies are concerned. Um, I mean, you said you hit everything on the head, really. Um, They're already playoff contenders already just with the team that they have now and the team that they had last year. Um, They just need one more star to be actual series finals contenders. But Mm -hmm. – yeah, I mean, and I'm not trying to be rude, but the other two teams that are vacant right now, they're not really attractive to me. So um, what do you think about Indiana and Orlando? I'm not really sold on either market. I'm just going to say one sentence. Who wants to live in Indiana? Orlando, I think, is the more appealing spot of the two because at least going into that situation, they know they're rebuilding. They don't, they're not going to expect winning. You have young pieces like uh, Cole Anthony and R.J. Cole Hampton. Cole Anthony, yeah. Yeah, guys like that. Mo Bamba, I think, is still in the roster. Obviously, he hasn't been great for you. Like, you have young uh, Birch. I can't remember his last name. I think he's still on the team, too. I mean, his first name. So, you have you have young pieces. Um, and now, you can just... Now, when you first get hired, it's just about how to teach them... Teaching them how to play winning, winning basketball. Whether that's giving 100% effort or if that's implementing a new game plan or whatever that may be. You, that's all you need to do right now. You have the fifth pick in the draft and the eighth pick in the draft. So Orlando's got, they've got, they're going to get some more young guys in the draft this offseason. And, and like I said, they're not going to be winning maybe the next couple of years. But if you're, at least if you're a head coach, you go into the situation knowing that the fans in the front office probably aren't expecting you to do much anyway. So that's really, it puts you in a really good position to overachieve. If you can just win, even if you can win 38 or 40 games next year, that right there is you done overachieved and you got your job for a good minute. Indiana, they're in a weird spot to where they have some good players like Sabonis and Brogdon and Levert to where people, their fans are expecting them to get into the playoffs. Even if it's a low 7th seed or 8th seed, they they expecting them to get into the playoffs. So, I don't I don't think I don't think Indiana's job is appealing at all cuz that's just, yeah, no. I don't I don't think that's an appealing spot to be. I think that might be the worst of all the vacancies maybe them portland and new orleans all have a good chance at being the worst but it's definitely those three for sure yeah okay 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 i don't know do you think sabonis is going to be there in, in um next year he's yeah i don't i don't see why you trade him unless you're getting a lot of picks that's what i'm saying like maybe they they take that route you think they accept the rebuild, but even if even if if I'm a coach, I want you to chase the bones before I get there. I need to know what I'm walking into. I don't want I don't want to be there with a decent team and then halfway in you're like, all right, well we want to rebuild now. Yeah, like I mean I don't know. I guess we'll see. I don't know, but this episode is over. Any final thoughts? 
about what we talked about today. Uh, y'all, she, give her give her a pass. She must be tired or something. What do you? What, what's going on? <laughs> you said good what? Up, <laughs> it was a good episode. I don't know why you started busting out singing, but yeah, I I'm missing the NFL right now. I will say that. Oh, like, I'll, uh, I'll end it on this note about what you said about Russell Westbrook. Um, yes, he has never gotten out of the first round when leading a team, but he does not need to lead this team. I think Brad can lead the team, and he will just. And what happened? Brad was leading the team. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. It was the coach. Okay, in the situation, obviously. Well, how many? How many? We just plays, need a, how many plays? We just need, Scott Brooks we just need a couple. Listen, I didn't see us coming out against the Sixers and, and beating that series and going. Nobody did. Hell, hell, nobody had us even going to the playoffs or securing the eighth seed. So the fact that we did that, like we exceeded expectations. But going into next season, knowing what you have now, you know that Brad can lead this team. You know that Russ can be a solid number two for Brad. I just think that we need to get a couple more pieces. Obviously, we got rid of the coach. Thank God. But now we get a new coach in. We get some pieces in there, and I think that um, this team can go as far as maybe getting out the first round. And that is going to conclude. Yeah, I go ahead and end it because you know that's, that's going to conclude. Because you're going to disagree with me, and I just I don't I just don't feel like it right now, bro. Because you just, so you shouldn't say anything. You shouldn't say anything. Everything. No, because I say, you always want to take out, a, hear me out, hear you me always want to take a jab at Westbrook. Like for what? <laughs> so like for on, what? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> hear me out real quick then. So me calling out the facts that he's never gotten out the first round without Kevin Durant is a jab. When leading a team, I mean without uh, Kevin Durant and James Harden, that's a sh- that's a shot at him, or is that the facts? Like you, the way you want me to talk, see that's what the difference is. You have bias towards Washington, so you see that as a shot. I have nothing. No, towards no, them. no, no, no. So you to always me that, be bashing Russell Westbrook, bro. You always do. No, I didn't though, because when he was when he was on that tradif- I mean, terrific triple double run, I was the main one saying, "Oh yeah, Russ." So I don't know Which what year? you're talking about. Which year? This, this year. year. I mean, when he started doing those triple doubles, I was like, "Oh yeah, Russ has been playing good lately." So I'm not ready. I'm not trying to hate on Russ. Um, do I think his game in the playoffs becomes, like, worse? Yes, I do. And I think that's the facts back that up. But as and far that's as why just I said, that's like when Russ, leading no. a team. He wouldn't be leading Even when team, not though. leading it. He wasn't leading that team last year, Chris. This year against the Sixers, he wasn't leading that team. But if you, like, you can put specific defenders on Russ, and it's like, oh, yeah, I'm living with this matchup. Like, if I have Ben Simmons, for example, even someone like Tobias Harris guarding Russ, I, I'm okay with that because you know what you can do? You can just back up. And his mid-range shot but has gotten mirror. worse over years. His free throw shooting has gotten worse over years. And his three-point shooting is what it is. So, I mean, but in mirror. the playoffs, yes, he's going to struggle. But, Mir, quick question. I mean, are we really going to count this season? Because, I mean, anybody would have assumed that Washington wasn't going to make it out the first round this year. But I'm saying, so if, even really the years that they were supposed season? to, the year when Dame hit that walk-off shot against Russ, I, yes, had, the the, thunder the thunder. That, I had the Thunder win that series in six. The series against Utah when uh, they were the four seed and Utah was the five seed. They were supposed to win that series. They lost. So I, I know, I, and that's what I'm saying. When he's leading a team, it is true. He, he loses out the first round but what i'm saying is that won't have to no but even the year where paul george was better than him paul george was better than him the year against the um portland he was their second best player 2018 2019 yes that russ was not the best player on that team paul george was russ was second best and he's still but it was still russ's team like come on it's still russ's team i disagree it was it was russ's city like for example i think the warriors (laughs) were i think it was the warriors were kevin durant's team but obviously the fans in like the franchise, in a way, it's weird to word, was Steph's, in a way. Like, they, they all knew Kevin Durant was the best player on that team. 
Yeah. Same. It's the same deal. Like I think Russ even could have accepted. Oh yeah, Paul George is the, our best player. But yes, Russ was the leader. Russ was definitely the leader of the team. Just how Steph is the leader. That's what I meant. That's why I said or leading, Dray- leading Or even team. Draymond is the leader of the Warriors. Yeah, no, but Draymond's the leader of the Warriors, but you wouldn't say Draymond's leading this team. He's the, you see what I'm saying? I don't, I don't consider Draymond the leader of the Warriors. Why not? He's their vocal leader, the guy that gets them going. Oh, like a motivational right? speaker. Yeah, That's like, different. but he's the leader. He's like the leader. Steph's right? the leader. But, okay. Where Steph goes, okay. they follow. You telling me they follow Draymond over Steph? They gonna follow Steph over Draymond? No, but I'm saying that's not Steph's style. Steph's not gonna be telling everybody. Okay, what then to let's do. talk. Like, okay, then I think you're I think you're getting leader and hype man confused. The, that's the person different. that hypes you're the team gonna, up. You're not gonna sit here and call Draymond Green a hype man. There's no way you're gonna sit here and do that. What do you mean? You said he leader. hypes them up, right? What is, and, what is Chris Paul? What is Chris Paul? Is he a hype man? Chris or Paul's a leader. Chris Paul's He's a, a leader. leader. But he, is he the best player on that team? No. No, it's Steph Bucker. But I think he's, you could be he's both. He's the leader. Oh, uh, 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 all right, y'all. Uh, but, it's been real. No, you could be. It's bo- been real. Wait, is Steph? Steph can't be both. He can't be a leader and the best. He person can, team. but he's not. Draymond Green is the leader of that team. He's the vocal leader of that team. But not for long. And that will conclude this week's episode. We'll talk. We need to talk off air about that rusting. I can't believe you just came in my face with that. But yeah, this great episode. And that's fine. And that's fine. We'll talk about it. Well, anyway, yeah, please follow us at, at Points Made Pod. We just posted our playoff predictions for the conference finals for each conference. Um, yeah, we'll come back next week with a hot top five Fridays. We didn't have one this week because we had all NBA, so no NFL news this week. Um, and, yeah, we'll tap in with y'all next week. Um, anything you'd like to say, Mr. Salt? Mr. Salt. No, nothing i like to say. Peace. Thanks for listening. West Westbrook stinks. We'll see y'all next week. Oh, God. All right. Bye-bye, guys.